Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Viver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Steve, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Not as good as I think the people in Philadelphia are doing watching this parade unfold today. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Chris Long had on, the, I think, the long fur coat <laughs> in his... Uh, he, he tweeted out a picture on on Twitter, so I, I look. They deserve it. Uh, obviously, it's their first Super Bowl victory ever. Uh, now nobody gets to joke on them anymore no. about not having a, a Lombardi. So uh, I mean, they, they should enjoy it and bask in it, and uh, you know, because especially because the Eagles played a hell of a game to get that win. They really did. And that was a damn. That was a really good game. I mean, I feel like we've been on a real lucky run with Super Bowls lately. But that one was, that was pretty damn good. Yeah, it, it was a classic. If for no other reason than it, it was different than most people saw it going. Yeah. Uh, in, in your wildest dreams, you don't think Foles is going to win a shootout with Tom Brady on the other side, and so, uh, uh, but that that happened. Uh, and the craziest thing about it, when I go back and watch the film, is that even though there were a lot of points scored, uh, the Eagles made a lot of plays on defense, a lot of big plays that actually kept the score even further down yeah. than it was. So, uh, I mean, the, the Patriots had a really good scheme going at times, and uh, the Eagles would get a timely pressure or a guy would make a, a good play on the football, and they would end up, either forcing a punt and, or, in one case, uh, forcing a turnover on downs when uh, the, the the Patriots couldn't complete what looked like a probable touchdown to Rob Gronkowski. So, uh, I mean, as weird as it sounds to say after the team gives up over 30 points, I thought the Eagles played a hell of a game on defense. Yeah, and that's kind of – that was sort of lost in the mix. I think everybody just – you know, your first reaction to the game was you see these two teams trade points – drive to drive and what there was one punt in the whole game i mean it was just sort of like on the certain no sacks until the big brandon graham one i mean there was you know it sure looked like on the surface and right after the game there wasn't much defense but i thought that was really interesting going back and reading through haas and just how key that defense actually was even though like you always say doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet right and and brandon graham who's who's going to be the haas this week made a lot of low-key big plays. Uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I guess Chris Collinsworth was too busy calls, calling everything a RPO to notice <laughs> some of the defensive plays were made that were made. But, I mean, that guy was all over the place. And, for instance, the fourth and five play, uh, he's the guy that gets pressure. So that's not a touchdown by Rob Gronkowski, but instead it's a pass breakup. And then yeah. at the end, uh, at the very end of the game, I, I just noticed this morning, and it took me a a few times watching all 22, the last play of the game, uh, which ended up being a Hail Mary, and it just kind of, you know, it's the end of the game, and so they didn't replay it a whole bunch of times. It was actually supposed to be a, a middle screen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a middle screen to Danny Amendola, and it was supposed to be a relatively quick pass, and it had Rob Gronkowski and, and Chris Hogan running up the field trying to run interference because the Eagles – it was nine seconds left on the clock, and it, uh, uh, v various things about that play made me. It kept nagging at me like something's wrong with this play, because you see Malcolm Jenkins chucking Chris Hogan ten yards down the field, mm -hmm. and if you think that's a, a hail mary play, why would you risk a <clears throat> illegal contact penalty? And it was illegal contact on the last play of the game, and you go back and look, and the Eagles. Because it was nine seconds, they knew that there was enough time for uh, the Patriots to try to get one more play before they went for a Hail Mary. So they played the sidelines. The middle was wide fucking open. And so who knows what hap what would happen after he caught it. But, you know, there was a definite lane there for Amendola to try to get at least to around the 10. And then maybe he's going to have to try to make somebody miss or dive or something like that. But he's going to get up the field if he's able to catch that pass. But... Brandon Graham gets pressure so fast, he knocks the rhythm off. He, he, he almost takes Tom Brady down. Brady, to his credit, doesn't go down. He kind of shakes him off. But by that time, it's too late. And here comes Malcolm Jenkins knocking Chris Hogan in the way. And so he just has to heave it up there to, to Rob Gronkowski. And that's why 
you know, if you go back and look at it, Rob Gronkowski is kind of all by himself in the end zone. He mm-hmm. wasn't even in the end zone when Brady threw the ball. When he initially threw it, Gronk was on like the 10 because he was still trying to run interference. Yeah. He looks back, sees the ball coming, and then he goes and tracks the ball into the end zone. But normally, when you think about Hail Marys, there's usually like a bunch of guys in one space, and they're usually tall guys, and they're trying to bat it around and catch it. It was Gronk all by himself yeah. against like four Eagles. And guess what? He had a chance to bring it in. That's the crazy part. It still kind of went through his hands. But yeah. that play was not supposed to be a Hail Mary. And you don't see that until you go back and look and say, man, that was a huge play by Brandon Graham right there because there was a chance if he threw, throws that ball to Danny Amendola that he gets in and scores. Yeah. Of course, then they would still have to, you know, be successful on the on the uh, two point play to tie it up, but that's just kind of how this game went. It, it, so much about this game was about missed opportunities, stuff that was like right there. It was so close, like one of the touchdowns. Yeah, uh, James Harrison is right on Nick Foles. He's almost there. Gets him around the waist just as he's releasing the football, but it's too late. Yeah. It's a touchdown. So that's kind of the 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 the. The fun thing about going back and watching the All-22 in games like this, it, it, it was kind of like that last year when you go back and watch the big comeback against Atlanta, <laughs> seeing all the little things that if, you know, it's a little bit different, inch here, inch there, the game could have ended much differently. And it was much the same this year uh, with the Eagles against the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the play that stood out to me in, in your Haas write-up that went, went up just a little bit ago, but um, – that stood out to me was that play at the end of the second half or first half where Graham hustles over and tackles Brady inbounds. You know, the play goes off. It's 22 seconds left on the clock when they start to play. And then they're trying to get the ball over to the sidelines and Brandon Graham, Brady gets out of pressure, wiggles out and is running over that way. And Brandon Graham hustles his ass over there and tackles him, brings him down in the sidelines. And then they kind of just, they, you know, they have a play or two left, but, it, you know, nothing really. They can't get anything done off of it. But that would have been huge. Like, if the, if the Patriots score there, maybe even if they get three points there, that's a – I mean, that could have, could have been the difference in the game because, I mean, they had the they had the ball on the next drive, and I, I meant to look back if they'd actually scored on that next drive, the first drive of the, first ha- of the second half. They did, and, and, and that's what they're known for, especially this yeah. year. When they have any time on the clock, they're going to try to at least get a field goal when they know that they have the ball coming up at the halftime because, and I said this kind of in in my prediction column, they know that if they're down, getting those two scores like that right before halftime and then right after halftime will help them catch up. If they're already ahead, then that's a way that they can try to pull away. And so they, they, they really focus on that. Like a lot of teams... But of course, we know about the Jaguars kneeling with like 50 seconds left in the first half uh, in the game that they lost in the playoffs. But for the Patriots, man, if there's any time left on the clock, they usually try to make the most of it. But on that play, I mean, and Brandon Graham kind of helped force him up into the pocket in the first place. Now, he had the option of dumping the ball off to James White in the flat. But I think at that point, that rush had been getting to him so much that he just didn't feel like he had any time. He saw Fletcher Cox flying by him. He saw uh, Brandon Graham coming at him. And so he probably thought, well, I can at least run and get to the end zone. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, to the uh, uh, sideline and stop the clock. But Brandon Graham taking him, uh, taking him down, they had deep routes on that play. And so those guys had to hurry back just so they could spike the football. And yeah. then, like you said, there was just time for one more play after that, and they just – tried to run a screen, which didn't really have much chance of success. So that play, man, was so huge, and, and it was it was kind of, you know, they just kind of really didn't focus on it uh, during the game live, but we know what the Patriots like to do. They are always aggressive right at the end of the half when they know they're getting the ball right after yeah. uh, halftime. But they were able to, once again, there wasn't a whole bunch of stops or whatever, but they were able to – this is another situation. Obviously, you had two turnovers uh, uh, and then one turnover on downs. But you also had this play that, that ended that ended the half, so it, it wasn't a punt either. But it was another drive that was stopped because 
the Eagles made a key play at the right time. And so, it, you know, they might not have been dominant with the yards or whatever, but in key points of the game, they found a way to make a play. Yeah. And, I mean, you think about the Brandon Cooks, uh, the tackle on Brandon Cooks in space by 23. Yeah. Uh, that was a phenomenal play. and I don't know why Brandon Cooks, with his short tail, tried to jump over the guy. But, I mean, that was a hell of a play. They're about to go in and try to score a touchdown. And they forced a field goal on just a fantastic open field play. Yeah. And they just made more a few more plays than the Patriots did on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I, we were, there was some debate. I, I believe we settled that that was a spine buster that McLeod put on Cooks on that play. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it goes by different <laughs> names. You know, depending upon when you started watching wrestling and stuff of that nature, you know, Spine Buster. Uh, what it? Ah, I forgot what they used to call it, too. Uh, mm, gut Buster. Uh, it was another one, though. Everyone they actually outlawed that, that move and, and wrestled for a while. Yeah. I believe, because somebody got hurt, broke their neck. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely, definitely like that, WWE man. move right there. <laughs> And he needed it too. <laughs> they really did. I mean, that's a hell of a game, and just like it, just it, it, it's watching it. It's so nonstop. It's always hard. Like you know, you collect yourself at the end of the game and think about it, and then you go back. Like you said, you watch the film, you, or you just start thinking about you know, you're looking at your notes and stuff, and all the shit that you don't even think about because the way it ended, you know. Yeah. I mean, I thought for the life of me, like. It's that last Ertz touchdown, the one where the Eagles take the lead again. And you know what? <laughs> I was sitting up there so happy about this play. I didn't care that I was wrong about the Patriots winning because if you really read my column, I said everything that the Eagles did, I predicted they would do. I just said I didn't think that Foles could follow through on it. Yeah. I knew that he would have opportunities. And specifically the Utube, I, I brought up the Utube in my prediction column. And sure enough, on that play, if you if you have watched Varsity Blues ever, <laughs> and everybody remembers the Utube part of, of, of that movie, Coach Kilmer gets on Jonathan Moxon because he's been watching Mississippi Valley State film, <laughs> and he sees that, you know, they he explained it perfectly. They have four to the to the strong side to overload the strong side so that you can isolate the backside and get a one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they did. They they were lined up in trips bunch at first, and then they motioned the running back out, which forced the Patriots to kind of make a late adjustment. And they didn't have any safety or anything on that play. They, everybody was pretty much right on the line. And so you end up with Zach Ertz backside one-on-one -on -one with Devin McCourty. And yeah. McCourty... He's a really good player, man. And to be honest with you, that was a hell of a job by him not falling all the way down and still making contact with Ertz and forcing him to dive into the end zone. Yeah. Because it looked like he was about to bite the dust. And a lesser athlete would have just fell down. Yeah. So he was able to keep his um, balance after Ertz had pretty much crossed him up on the, on the slant. But it, it, shit, it was over. One-on-one -on -one like that, man, that is it's over. Yeah. And I said they were going to do that because they had problems for whatever reason with that Utu, quads, whatever you want to call it, that formation. And sure enough, they used it several times in that game, but no bigger time than that with that Urch touchdown. And, and it was so irritating listening to Chris Collins just mystified that this could possibly be a touchdown after the guy, after the guy took three full steps and dove into the fucking end zone, and I promise you, I was gonna turn the TV off and maybe never watch football again <laughs> if they proved that that was not a catch. I swear to God, after they gave the touchdown to Clement on the wheel route, where he clearly loses, uh, it doesn't have the ball secured, and one of his feet. After he does get a security, touches the line. Yeah. If they had said you can take three fucking steps and everybody see it <laughs> and dive into the end zone and that's not a touchdown, then fucking I don't want to be associated with any <laughs> football of that nature. I really, I was, I was almost there, <laughs> and he was just irritating the shit out of me because he almost made me doubt myself. I'm like, it's three steps. Yeah. Three fucking steps. Yeah. Shit. 
uh, uh, the whole next drive, he was still like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't oh, know how they made that. I'm like, did he bet on the fucking Patriots or something? <laughs> but, I mean, he, other than that, that was just a fantastic use of that formation. Yeah. And like I said, you watch their movies. Jonathan Marshall explained perfectly why that works. And Coach Kilmer explained perfectly why these old school coaches would never get it. But Doug Peterson does. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure because like I was sitting next to um, at the game our Eagles blogger Brandon Doughton from Bleeding Green Nation and he like you know because everyone sort of hold, held their breath like you like, I'm not shitting you there was you could audibly hear a gasp when that touchdown that Ertz touchdown in the fourth quarter late in the fourth quarter happened because everyone just sort of assumes like oh they'll probably fuck this up because you know it's it wasn't just a cut and dry thing. And, and like, you see the guy, it's like, no, look, he's not a receiver at that point anymore. He's a runner. And that's why, you know, that's why a running back, you see the running back can cross the goal line and fumble the ball, but, like, you can't come. Like, the Jesse James touchdown wasn't a touchdown. If anyone has any idea about what the hell a catch is anymore, that's sort of the, the gist of it right there. But I could not believe that that was almost like, you know, that they even had to kind of like, the thought that that might get overturned, it was, I mean, it was real. Like, you could feel that in the air, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you really could. And I was worried too, because like, I'm not worried, but like, you know what I thought was like, because on the play before that, when the second down, it was like second and seven or second, second and six, something like that. But they're throwing to the end zone. And there's two and a half minutes left. And my first thought was like, eh, you don't want to score just yet. Because you, you, the Patriots, it was right after Patriots took a timeout. They had one timeout left and the two-minute warning. I'm like, you don't want to give these guys over two minutes and, and two ways, to, two clock stops left. Because you know what will happen. I mean, it's just, it's right out of central casting, you know. And sure enough, then they scored. And then that, I mean, and they were, it looked like, you know, they were going to do it. And you get that, what, Gronk gets eight yards and they get close to first down. And that's when you get the big Brandon Graham sack. Right. And the thing about it is, because uh, you go back, and, and I had the same thought. Look, it's two minutes left. Yeah. You're basically writing a script for the Patriots usually, right? This yeah. is how you experience the, 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 uh, well, the beauty of victory and the agony of defeat <laughs> all in the same game is leaving two minutes for Tom Brady and you're not up more than a touchdown. Yeah. So I think we all felt that way. But then I went back and looked again. I'm like, they started their drive with over nine minutes left in the fucking game. They ran the clock yeah. all the way down from 922 to like just over two minutes left in the game. So there wasn't really much left they could do to run <laughs> the clock. True. I mean, they just took damn near the whole fucking fourth quarter and kept the ball away from the Patriots. So in that respect, I feel like their their offense pretty much did all they could do yeah. to keep the ball from Tom Brady, and it was up to the defense, and they made a hell of a play. Brandon Graham, man, that dude made so many plays in that game that just kind of went under the radar. Yeah. I, I have to say it again. And, and the thing of it is... He did it with just basic, good technique. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any kind of fucking, you know, double spin move or somebody schemed him free. He just was basically making rip moves. He, yeah. he, he start off, the, the start of the move might be different. You know, sometimes he might punch. Sometimes he might do something else. But he ended every pass rush with a rip move. And look, it made my heart almost want to sing because that is what I preach to young pass rushers, no matter what you do. And it was preached to me through Rob Marinelli and other coaches I had in my career. But it was preached to me, whatever you do, no matter what you do, finish with a rip. Because a rip move is always going to help you stay up, stay on balance, and help you clear yourself from the blocker. So many dudes, you'll see them reaching out for the quarterback with one hand and the other hand is pinned behind them because the offensive line is still holding on. And all they have to do is execute a rip move, and they will be free to sack the quarterback. And that's all he did. That is simple as hell, but so fucking effective. And he did it 
with malice and purpose. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. If they if if, if Mason, Shaq Mason would have tried to hang on through those rip moves, he'd have had to go and buy him some new fingers after the game. Because he <laughs> Brandon Graham was not fucking around. That rip move, he was coming through with bad intentions. So Shaq Mason, you know, he he's a guy that basically got beat several times by Graham, but yeah. I, there wasn't much else he could do, man. It was just basic good techniques by Grant Brandon Graham, and man, did he show up in this game in a huge way. Yeah, he really did. I mean, that was that was just an incredible moment. The sack in and of itself, but just like the whole game. And it was interesting, too, to listen to those guys after the game. Fletcher Cox especially was talking a little bit about the pass rush moves and talking about how they were bull rushing and it wasn't wasn't working for them to bull rush the guys and then they kind of changed up their moves a little bit and and how what a difference that made against the offensive line and then the Patriots kind of got in the situation where they had to stop chipping guys too yeah chip here grab there <laughs> so what's that between friends right Listen, those referees just were determined not to call a damn thing when it came to the offensive and defensive line. Yeah. And it kind of went both ways. You see, you saw guys mushing the blockers in the face, and yeah. that's supposed to be illegal hands to the face. You saw guys getting grabbed, and that's on both teams. So don't, they ain't cheating my team. No, both teams <laughs> are holding. Both teams are getting away with some stuff on the defensive line, too. And it evened itself out, but they look, they weren't gonna call a damn thing in the Super Bowl. No. Come hella high water. No. Take them for what you with. But li- listen, I I don't know if Fletcher Cox has seen the film yet, but they did a great fucking job pass rushing with bull rushes. What they did was they kept and, and again, I I'm going to toot my own horn. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> they needed to do before the game was 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 sacrifice some of the finesse moves and try to push the pocket back and they couldn't have done a better job at that all fucking game you see Fletcher Cox he's not making any fucking arm over moves and shit he's going inside and just moving the pile uh uh not only him Tim Jernigan was in pa- mm-hmm. was in on pass rush down something else that I suggest they do and he got a lot of good push. And so even when Brady was able to complete passes, he was having to do that shit while there's an offensive lineman's ass right in his face, right? He <laughs> he probably could smell whatever his center was ate the night before the whole fucking game because Fletcher Cox and those guys inside, 94, those guys, and Brandon Graham at times too, yeah. just pushed the – they crushed the pocket over and over and over. And you look back and see so many of these – passes that that Brady threw that were off a little bit and you're like why is he off because he's having to throw around guys and shit and he having to throw off his back foot because there's all this traffic in front of him not sacks weren't sacks and I said that before the game they're gonna have to sacrifice yeah you know trying to get those sacks because this is what's most effective just getting in his fucking way yeah and that's exactly what happened so like I said I'm going to have to agree to disagree with, with Fletcher Cox on that one. And he probably had watched film when he said that. And on the stat sheet-wise, sack-wise, yeah, they didn't get a whole bunch of sacks. But I'm telling you, you ask Tom Brady privately, he'll, I promise you he'll tell you that traffic in front of him all game was a problem. He was off a lot. And, and a lot of that being off had to do with the fact that he wasn't getting line of sight. He's always got the center of the guard's ass about to be pushed right into him just as he's trying to throw the football. So to me, I thought that was an excellent game plan and I thought it was ex- excellent execution as well. We talked about this before the game. Everybody tells you what you got to do to beat Tom Brady. Oh, you got to rush the ball. <laughs> yes. That's the easiest fucking shit in the world, right? As if the fucking Patriots aren't coached to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> but they got it done, man. Those The, the Eagles really sold out to push the pocket and it helped them tremendously throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because you think about those plays and like if that defense, you know, if they miss a few more, just a a couple more of those plays, I mean, Brady already threw for 505 yards in that game. I mean, it was, they don't get home on a few of those plays and it's a totally different story, man. Oh hell! Listen, the 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 fourth and five, that yeah. that, that ends up being a turnover on downs, but that's a touchdown, man. Jalen Mills, I I I don't know if he just, you know, 
wasn't sure about how fast Gronk was, but they had Jalen Mills one-on-one with Gronkowski, and he stood there <laughs> flat-footed like he was just going to be able to cover him. And Gronk ran right past him, right fucking past him. <laughs> a normal Brady throw that leads Gronk into the end zone, that's an easy touchdown. Jalen Mills is fast, but he's not going to catch Gronk in a way that could have stopped him from catching the ball over his shoulder. Yeah. He's too big for that. Yeah. But Brady wasn't able to step into the throw because Brandon Graham, again, getting in the fucking way. And when they showed it on the replay, they didn't even note that it was a bad throw, of course, because it's hard to criticize King Tom Brady. Yeah. But it was a bad throw because he had Jalen Mills by two steps. And it ended up being a pass that fluttered and came down as if it was a back shoulder throw. The last thing you want to do is throw a back shoulder fade when a guy's got two steps on the defender. You lead him. And Tom Brady obviously could do that most of the time, but not when he has Brandon Graham in his face. Yeah. And that explained a lot on that play, too, because I just like I think other people looked at it and just wondered what the hell happened without seeing that. I didn't see that. I didn't see the game, but like, man, Chris, Philadelphia fans were panned Chris Collinsworth after that. I mean, like, they got signs at the parade with him. And, like, you know, you saw the, the stuff with Goodell and the clown nose last. They got Collinsworth with the clown nose this year. I mean, listen, listen. man, you, you, scorn, you scorn those Philly fans. You better <laughs> you better hide. Anybody that's followed me on Twitter for a few years know that Collinsworth isn't my favorite guy as far as commentating. Now, to be sure... It's a high bar. There ain't many guys yeah. that commentate the game at this point that I do like. Yeah. But Collinsworth tends to be so folksy and so nice. And, and it's kind of like the whole John Gruden thing. People let it slide that he gets stuff wrong because it just sounds so good, you know. <laughs> and it's so funny. And he'll quote, you know, pro football focus, which he owns a part of. <laughs> yeah. You know, here and there throwing out stats and sounding so smart and intelligent and be wrong as hell. And that's like the worst shit for me. I hate everybody's going to make mistakes. And I'm not saying by any means that it's it's an easy job. I just want you to acknowledge that, hey, I fucked that up. Okay, I I said that, but I was wrong. Let me go ahead and correct the record. You ain't going to hear Chris Collinsworth come back and be like, oh, no, I was wrong about that. Well, let me go ahead and fix that. He's just going to move on to the next thing. And it drives people nuts. The whole, you know, I think Chris Long called him out about the Zach Ertz touchdown because it was so obvious. It's like even whoever was in the booth with him, I don't even remember who was that. Like, was it Al Michaels? Uh, yeah, my memory bad anyway. I so, But I think it was Al Michaels. Whoever it was, they were trying their best to nicely tell him to shut the fuck up. They were like, <laughs> Yeah, but he's a runner right there. I mean, I'm just saying that he's a runner now. He's a runner. And so, but that don't even really count because he already got, and Chris Collins, I don't know. I don't know. This this is this is a tricky one, folks. It could be an overtime. I'm like, what the fuck is he wanting? I, I really thought something was wrong with me for a minute because I immediately tweeted out. As soon as I rewound, I said, oh, that's three steps. That's a touchdown. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, watch this shit again. Am I, something wrong with me? Am I high? I'm like, nope, I'm not high. <laughs> That's a fucking touchdown. We had 15 more minutes of his hemming and hawing. I don't know. And even after they came back and upheld it, like the call stands, it wasn't even like they overturned the call. It was just the call stands. They made the right call on the field. He's still like, I don't know. That's kind of fishy. We're going to have to. I mean, I was like, yeah, referees, I don't know, maybe they pay it off. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> the Patriots get one call. First of all, it's not even a call that goes against them. It's the correct fucking call. And you sit there real like somebody being robbed right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was just, and, and the funny thing was, I wasn't sure if I was the only one that caught it, right? Because I was just like, is it just me? Am I wrong? Is, this shit looks clear as fuck to me. It looked like clear. If that was that, I told you, if they'd have overturned that, I'd have turned the TV off. I'd have to send y'all my resignation letter. Because I, I keep watching football. If three steps and a dive is not a touchdown, but a dude stepping on the end zone, end of the end zone is. I just can't watch football after that. Fuck that. It's just too much. And I don't even gamble or nothing on football because it's just too fickle. But I can't watch if... Yeah, we already know we don't know what a catch is. Yeah. But goddammit, it's a catch, okay? <laughs> I don't care. In any book, in any year, with any referee, 
That's a catch. Three steps and a dive. And he's still... They, they got confetti and balloons and shit coming down. They about to award the trophy. And he's still like, I don't know. God. I'm, maybe they should review that again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it's on. I think it's Fox next year that has the Super Bowl. So, or is it CBS's turn? I don't remember. But <laughs> and to be clear, I'll probably be complaining about those announcements too. I'm just telling you, <laughs> in particularly Collinsworth galls me because so many people like him. It's kind of like the John Group thing too, though. So I, you know, I, I don't even argue anymore. I let people if they like it, I love it. <laughs> but it's just funny that this time everybody was killing him and it wasn't just me. <laughs> I can't believe he went on like that. Man, what a, what a, oh man. What, <laughs> what a moment. What was he would not let it go. I, like, that's okay, the crazy I, thing. I understand. Give, give the other side of it, right? Be devil's advocate. No, he was serious about that shit. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, this look kind of fishy. Yeah. I don't know, Eagle fans. Y'all might want to be. <laughs> the call stands. What? Show that again. Rewind it. What? I wonder if it's just like, you know, like, oh, no. Well, I can't admit I was wrong. That would be. No way. Uh-uh. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, if you're just playing devil's advocate, then you come right on board right after that. Oh, yeah, see, yeah. yeah. Okay, that was a little bit clearer than I thought. That dude never acknowledged that he was wrong as hell. It wasn't even close. <laughs> Three steps and a dive. And he was, I like I said, confetti and blues coming down. I don't know. Uh, it might be here in front of the league office that they made a mistake or something. I don't know, but it's too late. But I'm still not sure. <laughs> They showing the highlight reels of the Super Bowl. He's still, he's still <laughs> questioning the call. <laughs> Especially when the other call was way worse. Like the, the Clement call in the yeah. end zone, he's not even bringing up. And no. that's way, that was a way worse call. That was wrong. That shouldn't have been a touchdown. It was a hell of a catch by him and a hell of a throw by Nick Foles, who looked like a gazillion bucks on Sunday, by the way. Yeah. But that was not a touchdown. And he didn't even go on and on about that one. No. <laughs> I guess I was going to say, that was my next question. Is like, is there, obviously, I mean, maybe there's something else, but I feel like the biggest surprise in that game is Nick Foles. Shit, hands down, it ain't even close. I mean, Look, He didn't just that. play a good game. Okay, let's be clear about that. This guy played fantastic. Even the fucking interception he threw is in Alshon Jeffrey's hand. Yeah. It's going to be a deep ball. It's going to be a big play to put them in scoring position. It just happened to take a bad bounce. You know, Alshon couldn't haul it all the way in, but that was a good-ass throw, right? Over the top of, of uh, uh, 24, and, 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 and I mean, again, that's going to give them – a chance to even run the score up even more. But other than that, I'm talking about, and, and the thing, again, I don't even, I have to break down uh, TV copy when it's the draft season because I don't have access to all 22. Mm-hmm. But man, when you have access to all 22 and you see the different vantage point from trying to watch the TV copy, it's just so much shit you miss that you can't possibly see from the TV copy unless... You know, it's some big play that they gave you a whole bunch of replay. Most of the time, you'll think some look one way, and then you'll see it from that back shot, on, especially on pass rush moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, this play is way different than I actually thought it was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, watching the All-22 and going back and seeing all of the way that Nick Foles did little things throughout the games and never got panicked. He never went, like, that was the thing I kept waiting to see. Yeah. Because they were getting pressure on him. A lot of people feel like uh, the Patriots didn't get a lot of pressure. Well, for one, they didn't blitz a whole lot. Yeah. What they would do, they would send a guy from the middle, but then they would drop somebody else out. So it still only be four guys rushing. I thought that was stupid, by the way. And I thought they should have run way more pass rush games like I suggested. It's funny that the team that did things I suggested won the Super Bowl and the team that didn't. But I'm just saying. Right? But, but uh, I mean, this guy wasn't panicked at all. 
fucking James Harrison is breathing down his neck, and this dude just calmly moves to his right and dumps it off. And I'm talking about on third and six, third downs, where he's just calm as hell, hitting a fucking wheel route. Well, it wasn't even a wheel route. What it was was uh, uh, kind of a, a fake block and go. Mm-hmm. And he's just fortunate. them. I mean, just beautiful passes. And, and he was doing all of the – he was hitting all of the gimmies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I always talk about. Like, as a quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be average at least, you got to hit the gimmies, the, the ones where the guy's open. And all you have to step and throw it to him. He did that, and then some. On Sunday, he's hitting the deep ball to Alshon over the top, stuff like that. That that ball where he throws it to Alshon, and Alshon's in the slot, and he yeah. has to adjust to it. I mean, that's perfect ball placement, though. He put it where only Alshon could catch it, even though it was a couple defenders in that area, and Alshon made a hell of a catch. But he just kept making throws, even with pressure bearing down on. He just yeah. moved to the side, moved this way move that way, making really good de- decisions with the football. And just he played like a pro bowler, all pro type quarterback one Sunday, really the last two weeks. I told everybody this Patriots defense was kind of smoking mirrors. All this shit about, oh, they top five and scoring. Well, they ain't <laughs> played by that scores a lot of points. Yeah, One team, and that team should have scored 31 points if they didn't take – uh, that last touchdown away from the Steelers. Yeah. So, but I mean, regardless, he lit up the Vikings, and we know they're a legit top yeah. three defense in the league. And yeah. he lit up the Patriots, even with James Harrison and, and Flowers breathing down his throat. Man, Flowers at least twice, no, at least three times beat a double team guard and left tackle of the Eagles only to see Nick Foles complete the pass or get out of his clutches just as he was about to sack. Yeah. I know he had to be frustrated as hell after the game because he played his ass off, but Nick Foles made it so it didn't matter. Yeah. That dude was cool, calm, and deliberate on Sunday, and that is why they won. I said they would have the opportunity to win. I just didn't think he could step up to the plate. Yeah. He didn't just step up to the plate. He grabbed it and spiked it on the ground. <laughs> like, what? So I'm telling you, he, he, that dude played with swagger you haven't seen much in any Super Bowl. He played like we expect Brady to play in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and like, that's it. I mean, in the, we wins the MVP award. I mean, he's this... <laughs> I mean, I had a field day just on the Jeff Fisher jokes that this gave me alone. But, I mean... You know, this is a guy that was cut twice, cut by the Rams, cut by the Chiefs, traded by the Eagles, and Chip Kelly, supposedly just kind of a Chip Kelly miracle. I mean, you know, that's going to be an interesting offseason for him if teams come call and want to trade for the guy, because obviously Wentz is coming back, and Wentz is the starting quarterback, and the guy that kind of, you know, the team's invested in for the future. But it seems like if you're the Eagles, maybe you, uh, you got these guys under contract, you might as well just hang on to them as long as you possibly can here, but. Because that I kind mean, of performance. literally. Yeah. Yeah, you, literally Foles himself showed why you should keep him under yeah. contract and not try to trade him. Because, one, you don't even know if Carson Wentz is going to be ready for opening yeah. day next year. Two, he could very easily go down again. And Foles has shown you the benefit of having a good backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. We saw plenty of other teams go through their backup quarterbacks, and it was – was not pretty, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So to have a guy who, yeah, he was shaky at first, but to play the way he did at the end, that's just even more reason to keep him. And he's obviously already on an, under contract for a reasonable price. Now, if somebody wants to beat down your door and offer you a trade package you can't turn down, sure, go ahead and maybe you draft a backup quarterback of the future this year. But for right now, why would you even consider that yeah. when he himself is the he's the best proof why you need to have a good backup quarterback in the first place? Yeah. The guy just won the Super Bowl for you, I thought. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, if the Jacksonville Jaguars had a, ba- had a better backup quarterback at the beginning of the season, we might be breaking down the Jaguars in the Super Bowl today. I mean, it really could have happened. It's pretty amazing. Really happened you know? They just didn't. That they felt comfortable turning to over over Blake Bortles. Yeah. But do I think now would I have said Foles was an upgrade over Bortles at the beginning of the season? 
Yeah, probably because I didn't have much of a high regard <laughs> well, for the in this season anyway. But you know, at the end of the day, in hindsight, obviously he would have been a better option considering how he played for Philadelphia. But yeah. we do have to take into account the coaching staff. Yeah. If, if the Eagles don't show anything else, it shows the importance of coaching. We thought that the Patriots had showed us that for years, yeah. but the Eagles showed us a different way to do the same thing. And they, their coach adjusted. That wasn't the kind of game plan they would have had for Carson Wentz, but it doesn't matter because it worked. It's yeah. what worked for Nick Foles and Doug Peterson and his staff should be commended for the fact that they didn't try to put a round peg in a square hole. They yeah. said, let's find out what you do best, and that's what we're going to do, damn it. And that's what they did, including <laughs> including <laughs> the touchdown pass to Nick Foles that he <laughs> called for one yeah. and that he actually ran in high school and caught a touchdown for as well. The Philly so, special. I, mean, I, I can't say enough about their staff, man. I just I think that they did a phenomenal job this year. It's interesting too because like I think maybe like besides the false thing, like the second biggest surprise out of this whole Super Bowl was just that I mean they did Bill Belichick just flat out got out coached. He did. And, and the thing that we haven't even touched on yet is the whole Malcolm Butler. Oh yeah, I was just going to say that's the next one we got to get to here. That was a, I mean I don't know what he did or what he said, but or if he did or said anything, but it was just I mean, that in hindsight, I mean, it's kind of funny that that has been, outside of the Eagles winning that game, the second biggest story coming out of that was the Butler situation. You know, I said this in an interview earlier today. Um, I feel like Bill Belichick not explaining himself for that particular situation mm-hmm. is rather cowardly. Yeah. And I know that everybody, you know, praises Belichick for his approach and not talking a lot and keep everything in mind. We're on to Kansas City or whatever. But this is 100% bullshit. Yeah. This is the fucking Super Bowl. And the guy who not only was your Super Bowl hero a couple years ago, but also, well, I guess it's been three years now or so, but also started this whole fucking season, started in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Doesn't play a single snap from scrimmage in the biggest game of the year. And only one one rep the whole game, and that was on special teams. Yeah. And then you get up there and you won't even stand up and be a man and explain why you made that decision. Yeah. After you lost the fucking Super Bowl yeah. in a game where your offense, I mean, your defense got torched several times. Now, it wasn't Eric Rowe. You go back and watch the film, it's not Eric Rowe that's getting torched repeatedly. But at the same time, who knows how that affected the energy and the chemistry of that secondary not having Malcolm Butler out there. Yeah. You just don't know. There's no way to know. And so if you're going to have the nuts to make that decision for that game, then you should have the nuts to stand at the podium and say, here's what happened yeah and they're saying is football reasons is horse shit yeah he owes those fans better than that in my opinion i can understand if it's a loss and you're trying to put other stuff out you know out and you don't want to dwell on it there's no more games this year there's no on to another game that was it yeah and y'all are used to winning those games and y'all had a very good uh, uh chance to win this one but your defense obviously let you down, and you wouldn't stand up there and face the music and explain why you made that decision. Yeah, I, I just I don't have any respect for that, quite honestly. I really don't. No, and to stand by the whole game too, because Roe, like you said, it wasn't necessarily his fault, but like he, you know, he that first quarter was a little rough for him, and then too, it's like you saw that you saw that the day after. I mean, you saw that the in the, in the days after the Super Bowl. You saw what Brandon Browner had that rant on Instagram, and there's more than one Patriots player that clicked the like button on that post. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that that's the tell-all thing just because you like to post on Instagram, but, I mean, you know, there were more than one Patriots player in that locker room that thought that that was a bad decision. Listen, I've seen this happen before. I've had an experience like that before, as a Mm -hmm. matter of fact. Where a guy who maybe the team thought 
should be playing, wasn't playing in a big game. Mm-hmm. I literally had that happen to me during my career, and I've seen it happen a bunch of times. It hurts team chemistry. In the back of your mind, you're wondering what the fuck is going on. And then you're looking around during the game. They can't even tell if it's Eric Rhodes is giving up those plays. They just know the secondary is getting torched. You got to think, you know, offensive guys, I mean, they're like, what in the hell is going on back there? Why yeah. isn't Malcolm getting in the game? Yeah. And, and, and it's just it's a huge distraction for no good reason. Even if you bench the guy, even if you bench the guy, he can't get backup reps. He can't give yeah. somebody a blow. He ain't better than anybody else on that field on any given play. Yeah. I just refuse to believe that. I don't care how bad he played this year. We know Malcolm Butler is essentially a good player. Yeah. Right? He might have bad plays here and there. He's essentially a good player, which is why he started the whole fucking season in the first place. Yeah. If you do this before the playoffs started, okay, fine. You can't do this right before the Super Bowl and not have it affect your team. Yeah. You just can't. And so, and obviously it may have affected your fortunes in the game. Yeah. So why not be transparent and just say, look, if he, if he, if he, if it was on him, if all these rumors and shit, and that's another thing. Now you open everything up to these bullshit rumors. Yeah, exactly. Rumors that Butler had to address himself. Yeah. About him being late, about him smoking weed, yeah. about him doing this, doing that. And that's bullshit too because the only reason why there's air for any of that those rumors to take hold is because the guy who's supposed to be supplying the oxygen has cut it off. Yeah. Bill Belichick. He's it was football reasons and he's moving on. Well, man, you just lost the fucking Super Bowl. A lot of people can't move on that fast. Yeah. So why not say what it was? If it was that bad, most people probably would understand. Yeah. But if you can't really understand it, and, and again, I, I had the thought, and I could be definitely be wrong. This is just my thought. It is definitely weird that Malcolm Butler had an interview and the, the you know some excerpts or whatever started floating around Twitter. I think it was like early on in the day before the Super Bowl about how he had played like shit and how uh, seeing uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore get a big contract before him affected him. And most people who were responding or or retweeting that story were actually giving him props for admitting that he hadn't played well and that some of it was obviously because of a little bit of jealousy or feeling like or feeling some type of way like they weren't respecting his game. But they bring in a guy from another team and give him the money. But and I'm like, it's a hell of a fucking coincidence that you don't hear anything about any Patriots player all week because we know how they are. You know, they don't want anybody saying anything untoward or that might bring attention to them. And then here's a guy that's just being honest about how he played and why. And all of a sudden he's benched. Yeah. I just thought that was a very big fucking coincidence. And, of course, I don't really believe in coincidences. What about you? No. No, and that's just like, and and to sit the whole game like that, too. I mean, it wasn't just like, I understand you fucked up and you're not going to start the game and we're going to get you in there after the first series or something like that. But, man, no more, no reps, one play. I mean, and then to leave it open for speculation, and it sucks for Butler, too, because he's a free agent this year. I mean, this is something that could literally affect his bottom line, his livelihood, you know? Right. And, and those rumors came fast and furious, didn't Fuck they? Yeah. Right away. Uh, right and, away. And, and nobody putting their name on it. I don't respect that shit at all. No, if you're going to say it, put your name on yeah. it. Yeah. Or don't say it at all. Yeah. And they came from, you know, and the, like where they were coming from was kind of strange to begin with. I mean, it was, you know, they're, it, it, some guy from PFF had one of them. That was the one that I think where the weed, where he's late for curfew when the weed thing started. I mean, the guy was literally in the hospital for the flu to start the week. I mean, they're out there in the biggest flu epidemic in America in 20 years, and you're in Minnesota of all damn places. People are literally dying from it. Yeah. People are literally dying from it. Some other guy I saw the other day had to have, like, fingers and toes cut off with some shit. I don't know what that was about. He must have had that special flu. But I mean, <laughs> this is a serious deal. Yeah. And and and, and the thing of it is, uh, uh, Ryan, just from my perspective, man, you do so much to get ready for a game. 
especially when you're hurt or you're sick. Yeah. I mean, you go above and beyond. You basically, anything they say they need to inject you with or give you an appeal to get, excuse me, to get you ready for the game, you'll take. Yeah. Sure, go ahead and shoot it up. Sure, go ahead and give me those pills. Yeah. What are that? Who cares? As long as it's going to get me ready. Yeah. They do so much to get ready for that game. There's no telling what he did to try to bounce back from being sick like that to being healthy enough to play in the game on yeah. Sunday. Then to not play a single down of scrimmage from scrimmage, it, 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 it defies logic, man. It just Why you even keep this guy active? Right, if it's for football reasons, let, let, let's be honest about this. If it's, if it's for football reasons, and you're not gonna play this guy at all during the game, yeah, why in the fuck was he active? Why was yeah. he in a uniform at all? It was almost like they were punishing him. Like, yeah, you're gonna be able to see everything right here from this sidelines, but you're not gonna be able to make an, an effect at all yeah. because you're never getting off of this sideline. Yeah, I mean it's bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. And, and I just, I, I, I feel like we are owed an explanation. Yeah. I bet some fucking gamblers in Las Vegas that <laughs> definitely want an explanation too. Yeah. That's a pretty good point because, I, yeah, I, like somebody tried to pull, you know, I, I heard a couple places where they're pulling that, but it's the Patriot way and he's got to stand by his words. Bullshit. This isn't some week six game against the Dolphins. This is the Super Bowl. This is the last game of the season. The guy's a free agent after this year. I mean, you know, this is the game. If you can't pull out all the stops in the Super Bowl, you don't want to win it bad enough. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a big enough priority for you at that point because that's okay. just bullshit. That, that, that definitely is bullshit. But I'm gonna have to interrupt our conversation because as happens tends to happen while we're on the uh, <laughs> the podcast. We got breaking and, news, and it's coming up on the end. We have some big fucking news. What is it? Jimmy Garoppolo has has agreed to a five year, one hundred thirty seven point five million contract. Sources per Mike Garoppolo, a hundred thirty seven point five. Whoo! And it's five years. So guess what? Them guarantees is gonna be high. <laughs> you you can't backload enough of a hundred thirty seven million. In only a five-year contract, you just can't do it. Ain't like he making a hundred million in the last year. So it's a five-year, thirty-seven point five million-dollar contract. Boy, I know Nick Foles wishes he was a free agent. <laughs> Holy shit, man! I mean, I knew, knew the guy was going to get paid. I mean, there was no question about that. But my goodness, I figured that. Like that's, my Kirk Cousins got to be licking his lips right now. Whew! 137. Kirk probably like, that's my starting point, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's so funny about Kirk Cousins and me is a couple years ago, the guy actually said, oh, it's not about the money with me. Dude, come <laughs> the fuck on now. Really? Like, I, I wonder if, he, if he's going to fix his mouth to say that again. Because it is obviously about the money, or you'd have taken a below market contract a long time ago, and good for you. Yeah, I want you to go out there and get a hundred forty yeah. million dollars. But Kirk Cousins, stop lying to us. Don't tell you about the money. <laughs> it's definitely at least a little bit about the money. <laughs> it damn well better be. I mean, you know, it ain't the kind of game you want to play for free. I mean, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a job. It's, you get what you negotiate. <laughs> Fuck it. Get what you can. I'm always look, ain't no such thing as overpaid, especially oh. now. People still have to wrap their mind around the fact that salary caps are continuing to rise after they have become stagnant on purpose because they didn't want to uh, raise yeah. salaries before this particular salary cap. Yeah. And the reason why the cap keeps going up because the much maligned NFLPA tied the the salary cap to the uh, that TV money. Remember. And yeah. that's why it keeps jumping up, and that's why guys keep getting paid way more than they used to. But that's the fair market now. That is not overpaid. That's what the going rate is, 137.5 million. <laughs> that is the going rate. That's the starting point. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm like, shit. Y'all better sign me over a bank or something, a small community bank. I just go in, and it'll be mine. They only loan to me. I'm like that. 
I'm dead ass serious. You're going to have to pay me. 137.5? Man. Five years. Five I years. Ain't no 10 year deal. It's five years, partner. He getting that. He getting most of that. Of I course, mean, they hope to get all of it because they want him to be the quarterback of the future, but he getting most of that regard. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> it's kind of funny, too, because all of this stuff through, you know, the whole thing with the Patriots was the this season ended and there was all those reports of tension about, like, man, they didn't want to let Garoppolo go. They knew they had something. But here we are. Now the Niners got something. I tell you, that's the NFC te- tectonic shift. In the NFC West, with the Rams and now the 49ers and Garoppolo poised to uh, replace the Seahawks a little bit here, baby. And let me say this now. We haven't seen Garoppolo play even half a season yet, I don't think. No. I don't think he's played eight games. He's had eight starts in his career. Yeah. Now, what we've seen has been very impressive. I give him props for the winning streak when he went to – the 49ers, and he's played well, beat a really good Jaguars defense with a lot of uh, 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 bootlegs and stuff like that to show off his athleticism to go with their arm. Yeah. And, of course, he has a pedigree being behind Brady for those years. Yeah. But this can still go upside down easily. He get out there and, and people get film on him. See, here's the thing uh, a lot of people don't understand. And, of course, a lot of people just throw it around and they don't understand either. When you say that uh, defense coordinators get film on you, everybody has tendencies. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And that, that's from the quarterback himself to the offense coordinator. So when you first get a look at them early on, a lot of times that those guys will be ahead of the defense coordinator they're facing because the defense coordinator isn't sure does he like to throw the ball outside the numbers. Yeah. Do, does he like a three-step or a five-step drop? Does he like to step up in the pocket or does he like to scramble to his right? Can he scramble to his left and make plays or should we always bring pressure from his right because he's never going to scramble that way in the first place? Does he uh, uh, read defense as well? Does he read it well when you disguise the coverage? Is it it effective to blitz against him or is his processing fast enough where he's going to get the ball out quickly? Yeah. These are the things that you pick up after you get eight, 10, 16 games of film on a guy. Yeah. Right? Now we know that he's good at bootlegs. So guess what's going to happen next year? A lot of teams going to be ready for bootleg. Yeah. And, and one thing, mm-hmm. actually, they kind of helped the Jaguars because after that game, the Jaguars adjusted how they played at the backside of running plays so that they couldn't get beat on all those uh, 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 rollout plays and, and bootlegs anymore. So People are going to adjust, man. And hopefully he continues to play well, hopefully in terms of for the 49ers' sake. Because they made a huge fucking investment in a guy who's never started for a whole season. Yeah. But what happens if it goes upside down? That's the question you always got to ask yourself. Because it's always a possibility. It could be injuries. It could just be bad play. Once you get film on man, you know what his tendencies are. Yeah. But what happens at that point? Is he going to be able to adjust? Because as a quarterback in the NFL, you are constantly having to adjust your game in the first place. At least the top quarterbacks do. Those guys don't just stay the same. They're, you see them in the offseason. They always have one thing they're trying to work on. I'm, I'm trying, Drew Brees, I'm trying to work on uh, getting the ball down the field. I'm trying to work on this, this uh, my play-action fake. Something to help getting them over the hump. They're always evolving. And let's see how fast he can evolve once defense coordinators have a lot of film on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, too, is now I don't know, you know, without seeing – I mean, obviously, we just have the top-line numbers. It'll be interesting to see what the cap numbers is. But the 49ers were going into the season with a ton of cap money. They've obviously got draft picks because they only had to give up a second-round pick to get Jimmy Garoppolo in the first place. So they still got a first-rounder to spend and, and the other draft picks coming up this season. So it's uh, – you know, they have a chance to kind of – put a team around him here this year too so oh that defense has got some fantastic young yeah. talent as well yeah. uh yeah. that tarth kid that says safety man i like that guy a lot he yeah. will knock the shit out of you and he'll make plays on the ball and we know about all that young talent they have up front on the defensive line 
the 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 middle linebacker the first, uh, first rounder this year, the second first rounder. Man, that kid when he's healthy. Now he's been a little trouble off the field yeah. this off season already. So that's not a promising look. But when that guy's on the field, man, woo! He makes a <laughs> lot of plays and he makes them in a hurry. And with bad intentions, he knocks the hell out of people on a regular basis. Big ooh-wee hits. Yeah. So, and they got some talent on offense they're starting to find. I, I kept saying that um, <clears throat> that that wide receiver, the real quick wide receiver from Buffalo that they got from Buffalo, they actually tried to run in the Olympics. I can't remember his name. Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Marquise Goodwin. Would be wide open on deep balls all last season, all 2017, before Garoppolo got there, yeah. at least three times a game, he would have like five steps on the ne- nearest defender, and whoever was playing quarterback just couldn't get the ball to him. Yeah. It happened over. I said, what's going to happen when they actually get a quarterback in here that can get them the ball? Well, we saw what happened. I was like, Garoppolo yeah. is, is, I mean, just chunking it down the field of him, and that kid can get open. He's got that Ty- Tyree Hill kind of speed. He doesn't have Tyree Hill's hands, but he can get open that same kind of way. And so as they continue to add talent around him, man, whoo, he's going to be set up for success. I'll put it that way. Yeah. He's going to be given every tool he needs to succeed. It's going to be up to him whether he actually follows through and we see the 49ers back in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got 137 million reasons to get there now. So <laughs> Listen, it's going to be 137.5 regardless. Don't, don't forget the point five. <laughs> That's still $500,000. So, so, I mean, Daddy Warbucks is going to be all right regardless. I just don't know what the 49ers feel. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny, too, because like now we're in a point with this league, and this could really be a year where you see a lot of this stuff, too. Every new quarterback contract is the highest paid player in the NFL. So we'll probably have a couple more highest paid players in the NFL before uh, – before the dust settles on training camp this year. But, uh, whew, it's going to be a hell of an offseason, man. I tell you what. I can't wait. <laughs> I, uh, I can't gonna, wait. We're going to have our work cut out for us this spring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I haven't even, somebody asked me, like, what kind of, who, who's on your free agent radar this year? I was like, man, I haven't had a damn second to look at free agent lists yet. Come on now. <laughs> I just got to, <laughs> I haven't even caught up from my sleep from the Super Bowl yet. And then we got the draft coming up. Oh, it's just going to be. It's, it's, it never ends. It never ends. It never ends. It never, it never, it ends. never ends. But, uh, yeah, well, hey, that'll keep us in business, man. We got a lot of, we got plenty of things to do this spring. So I'm looking forward to it. It's good. That was, that was, hey, you tell you what, that Super Bowl, that was a nice way to end this season. I mean, it was a fun game. It was, you, you get the Patriots unseated. And unless you're, you know, a Patriots fan, that's about all you can ask for if it wasn't your team that won the Super Bowl. So that's a, I'll, I'll take that for a way. And I, the, the Eagles oh, were I'll a last that. place team last year. Listen, I definitely take that. Like I said, I don't even care that I was wrong this year on my prediction. I said that if Nick Foles played outstanding, they had a chance and he played his ass off. Yeah, And so, uh, you know, if nothing else, man, the Eagles showed so many good things about football this year, including a guy like Foles stepping up and ending up being the superstar. And, you know, just totally destroyed this notion that being socially active is going to mess up team chemistry. If anything, probably brought those guys together. Yeah. So, you know, here you have, you know, guys who protested and they just won a Super Bowl. Now what? Yeah, exactly. What kind of? Tell me about that distraction in the locker room. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and they said that. I mean, they're Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins. Those guys came right out and said it. it's like this brought our team closer together. They rallied. People rallied around us when we did this. Right. And just imagine if they had lost. You know, somebody oh, would have yeah. tried to 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 create the narrative. All oh, they lost because. They are all into uh, 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 these social yeah, uh, yeah. social activism and all that. I saw somebody say before the game that they were going to lose because they were uh, going to play Meek Mill when they came out uh, <laughs> of the stadium. And I just like, I just scroll by so much shit that's on my timeline these days. But that one just, it really just made me stop for a minute. I just stopped and looked at their tweet with my face all frowned up. I didn't respond, but I was just like, what the hell are you talking about right now? But it just destroyed 
all of those narratives. It did. And now the funny thing is, ain't nobody want to talk. No, nobody want to talk about social activism yeah. in the locker room anymore. All of a sudden, people are overlooking it, acting like it didn't even happen. Now we're gonna remind you that this was a team where several guys actually did. They didn't kneel, but they stood up, held a fist up, all of that, and have been active with with social activism and with police brutality mm -hmm. and stuff of that nature all this season, and it didn't matter one damn bit. And quite a few of them have already said they're not going to the White House either. Hell no. And, and Chris Long, I don't even know if Chris Long realized that he was actually speaking to a Trump operative on Twitter. That guy that he was going back and forth with, if you look at his bio, it says he was like involved with the Trump transition team. Oh, shit. But he handled him perfectly. Why would I want to go and have a conversation with a fucking racist? Yeah. Why would I want to go and have a conversation with somebody who says there are some white supremacists who are very fine people. Yeah. We don't have shit to talk about. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. There's no conversation to be had other than fuck you and maybe a punch in the face. <laughs> exactly. But they will frown on that kind of thing when you're talking about the president of the United States. <laughs> stay at home. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. I, I, I missed that. I missed that whole exchange on Twitter. I, I didn't see that. Oh, uh, he he lit his ass up. He just he just basically said there. Why would I want to have a conversation with him? He go, I can't believe that you would miss the opportunity to have a conversation. Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, and that conversation bullshit. Everybody wants to use that to try to shame somebody into going and talking to somebody they don't have any business talking to. Yeah. You. Fuck a conversation. Fuck all of that shit. That time is over with. After you call people Mexicans and rapists because of what um, call Mexicans rapists. And thugs because of where they came from. Yeah. After you say all the shit about women and, and, and you're uh, allegedly uh, abusive to women, and you say all these things about all of these different folks, yeah, there's ain't shit else to been said. It's already been said. Yeah, ain't no misunderstandings. Ain't no clarifications needed. You believe what you believe. I'm gonna be over here believing what I believe, and we ain't gonna cross paths if I can help it. Yeah, and that's basically what he said to the guy. And the guy didn't have anything for him. He shut him down completely. <laughs> and my hat is off to Chris Long because he he does that on a regular, man. He doesn't just let shit slide. He will call people out and set them straight. And I love that about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's great. I mean, I just the whole thing. It's just it's it's just incredible. I mean, it's a it's a damn good feeling, you know, for a lot of reasons to come away with this this week. But uh, we'll get back next week, and who knows? We'll, <laughs> maybe there'll be another quarterback contract break while we're in the middle of the call. So we'll. Uh, I know. I know. Kirk Cousins. Hope we have a hundred thirty-seven point five. I ain't mad at all. <laughs> Bidding starts at one thirty-eight. What? What? Thirty-seven point five. One. <laughs> like the price is right. You don't know, have to give me another 10000 That's the start. Oh, man. All right. Uh, let's, uh, well, let's, get, let's get back on this next week and uh, get ready to, for the offseason. How's that sound? Hey, man, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>